anytime I'm walking around on campus, I mm -hmm. listen to music. I think it's gotten to the point of where if I don't have music playing, my brain is like, like wow, like this is really quiet. I listen to music probably like 50% of my day. <laughs> I like don't listen to music very often because it's really distracting, so I can't do it when I'm doing anything else. So when I'm listening to music, I'm just listening to music. From the Daily Northwestern, I'm Isabel Funk. And I'm Maya Tandy. This is Pod Culture, a podcast about arts and culture on campus and beyond. For many people, music is ingrained into the fabric of their day, from walking around campus with earbuds to connecting to the ox at a party. But music is also correlated to how we express ourselves and connect to different parts of our identity and culture. In this episode, we spoke to queer students and faculty about how they use music to find community and connect to their identities. But I think broadly, music and sexuality have been completely intertwined from the very beginning of human history, I think. You know, what music's really good for, among other things, is that music really does give us shape to our emotional lives and gives us a sense of what we enjoy. And those are all things that can go into our conceptions of sexuality and how we understand our own relationship to our bodies and to what we enjoy. That's Beanan professor Ryan Dahoney, who has spent much of his career studying the connection between music and sexuality. This fall, he's teaching a class called Sound, Sexuality, and Space. There are these moments really of recognition where we sort of hear in someone else, you know, some echo of who we are, and oftentimes finding that with sexual identity or coming to terms with one's gayness or queerness. The music is so fundamental, and it was for me, and I see it in my students too. Music has a long history in the queer community, from jazz and blues in the 19th century to disco music in the 1970s and 1980s. Black musicians were key to pioneering these genres and creating space for queer people and narratives in the music industry. Bessie Smith, Ma Rainey, and Lucille Bogan were instrumental to the evolution of blues music in the early 1900s. These artists and others used their music to express queerness and gender ambiguity. Lyrical content, you know, expressions of same-sex desire constitute a kind of queer music. That can't be overstated as something important for younger people growing up to kind of hear that affirmation of possibility. But there's a long history, really, of this other kind of queering, a, a listening that does active work queering and appropriates music for its own needs and desires. Queers have long been listening to music that is not overtly queer, but finding queer things in it. And I realize that that is almost, makes that an almost meaningless definition of what queer music is. Weinberg sophomore Sophie Levia said they have often sought out music to affirm their queer identity music that is often by queer identifying artists. Like I find that a lot of songs written about queer people by people who are not queer tend to be really lacking in nuance and don't really reflect my own experiences at the very least. The best stuff is usually like made by queer people for queer people. A queer person has to be involved somewhere for it to be queer music. Otherwise it's just kind of like an inaccurate retelling of someone else's like opinion of what we're like. Levia said Scottish pop artist Sophie and Venezuelan musician and rapper Arca are two of his favorite artists. Their music expresses a full spectrum of emotions and in particular joy was the most important to me because a lot of narratives about trans people are just about how miserable we are, how much like we hate ourselves or how hard it is to be trans but there's a lot of joy and being trans also. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking in particular of Immaterial Girl by mm -hmm. Sophie. 
the song talks about transcending your body and saying, I can be anything I want, I can do anything I want. And it was just really, really important to me. And like when I was just starting to like deal with questioning my gender, like remembering that being trans doesn't have to be miserable, that I can be happy and trans and Mm -hmm. yeah, I, I can do anything I want. It's my life. But not all music that's popular in queer communities is by queer artists. Communication freshman George Segrist said several non-queer identifying artists hold significance in gay culture. I mean, it's undeniable in like a gay culture, uh, gay male culture specifically, like a lot of female artists are very popular that aren't queer. And so that line kind of blurs a little bit. So I would say even like, I mean, some of the most popular like gay female artists are like Charlie XCX, Megan, Doja a little bit, Lana, I think some of them might be queer a little bit, but like overall, they've kind of adopted a more queer persona and a lot of them kind of play into it and know that a lot of their audience is gay, especially like Charlie XCX makes a lot of jokes about it on TikTok. (laughs) Secret said these artists are known to be popular in gay clubs and queer nightlife. (laughs) I saw a tweet, it was something along the lines of every gay man at the age of 13 is assigned some female celebrity to latch onto. Mm -hmm. Um, And... For me, it was sort of a combination of Lana and Britney. Medill sophomore Claire Gardner said she has actively sought out queer music, and her Spotify has also recommended specific playlists to her. I've found more community in the music that I'm listening to as opposed to just listening for a pure, joyful rush, which is what I feel like I used to do. But I've always prioritized like an emotional connection to the songs that I'm listening to. And I really like songs that play directly to whatever I'm feeling at that moment. Like Segris, Gardner said it's not crucial that the artist themselves is queer. It's really hard to define queer music because everyone's queer experience is different. Weinberg sophomore Lauren Joyce said listening to work by queer artists was instrumental for her when she was coming to terms with her identity. I didn't have any like out queer role models when I was in the process of coming out and so a lot of times that burden fell onto the artists that I was listening to or at least discovering at that time um, like the Japanese house, Claro, Maltator, people like that. But Joyce agreed that this idea of queer music isn't just limited to queer identifying artists. Maggie Rogers hasn't like come out or anything like a, we, nobody really knows what her deal is but I think that she's a good example of what like queer magnetism is like it doesn't have to be necessarily queer in the sexual sense so much as it's like queer is different and like differentiating. Joyce produces music herself. She released her first single, Cotton Candy Lullaby, earlier this year. As a queer musician, she said it's exciting to see other queer artists break into the mainstream. Music has been one of the primary mediums through which like alternative media is really like prominent and gets to like achieve quasi-mainstream status. Like I think that I mean, like, Clara was a great example, like, somebody who is queer and is not at all peripheral, like, is very much the mainstream and, like, I don't know, you could even argue, like, in the heteropatriarchal conscious, the fact that, like, us as queer people get to control the media, passively insert our agenda into mainstream society in a way that people kind of, that is more, like, covert, almost. I think it's just interesting that, like, we tend to gravitate towards the people and the mediums and the art that is most queer, even when we are only subconsciously aware of the fact that we are different in a queer way. From the Daily Northwestern, I'm Maya Panty. Thanks for listening to another episode of Pod Culture.
This episode was reported and produced by me and Isabel Funk. The multimedia editor of The Daily Northwestern is Joanne Hayner. The managing editors are Yiming Fu, Audrey Hedelman, and Charlotte Barnes. And the editor-in-chief is Isabel Funk. Make sure to subscribe to The Daily Northwestern's podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or SoundCloud to hear more episodes like this.